0: I'm Bishop Robert Groose, the Bishop of the Diocese of Rapid City. In late May of 2015, the Diocese of Rapid City began an envisioning process meant to assist in clearly defining a course for ministry for the diocese for the next three to five years. The outcome of this process would help to strengthen and focus the resources of the diocese so that more effective ministry could be carried out in building up the church in western South Dakota. From this planning process came the diocesan priority plan outlining a carefully defined mission statement to serve as the foundation as well as a set of core values that guides how we conduct ourselves as a diocese, a five-year vision statement to direct our plans, three major priorities for the diocese with supporting goals, and goals for the foundational ministries of the church in western South Dakota. In July of 2016, I completed a pastoral letter entitled, Through Him, With Him, and In Him, A Spiritual Guide to the Diocesan Priority Plan. This document clearly defines the priority plan, and I have invited and encouraged everyone in the diocese to read and fully engage this pastoral plan so that as our sacred mission states, each one of us can do our part in attracting and forming intentional disciples who joyfully, boldly, and lovingly proclaim and live the mission of Jesus Christ leading to eternal life. What you are about to hear is a reading from Through Him, With Him, and In Him, a spiritual guide to the diocesan priority plan, followed by a group discussion with a panel of laymen and women and me. Chapter 2 of Through Him, With Him, and In Him Who We Are, and What We Are Called to Do. We begin with a passage from Matthew's Gospel. Jesus approached and said to them, All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. And of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. It would be easy for people to say that the diocesan priority plan is the responsibility of those who run the church in the diocese, namely the bishop, diocesan staff, and priests. While it is the responsibility of the leadership in the diocese to play an important role in planning for the future, it is the responsibility of every member of the Church to play its part in creating a healthy, vibrant diocese intent on building the Kingdom of God. The risen Christ sends his followers to preach the Gospel in every time and place so that faith in Jesus might extend everywhere, to every corner of the earth. This is the obligation of Christ's church on earth. The whole church must go forth and proclaim his message of salvation. This is clearly the message of Pope Francis in his apostolic exhortation, Evangelii Gaudium. Quote, The word of God constantly shows us how God challenges those who believe in him to go forth. In our day, Jesus his command to go and make disciples echoes in the changing scenarios and never new challenges to the Church's mission of evangelization, and all of us are called to take part in this new missionary going forth. Each Christian in every community must discern the path that the Lord points out, but all of us are asked to obey His call to go forth from our comfort zone in order to reach all the peripheries in need of the light of the Gospel. As I mentioned earlier, our mission as a diocese must always align with the mission of Christ. The foundation of the church in western South Dakota must be built on the foundation of Christ and the church he established. The mission of every parish and every Catholic entity in the diocese must also be aligned with the mission of the Diocese of Rapid City. As you read the priority plan of the Diocese of Rapid City, you will notice that it begins by clarifying who is included in the Diocese of Rapid City. It is important to understand that the Diocese is more than 80 parishes and missions in western South Dakota. Those called to implement the priority plan of the Diocese of Rapid City and those it will affect include the bishop in his leadership of the diocese, diocesan personnel, clergy and religious, members of parishes, missions, Catholic school communities and organizations, and all people in western South Dakota. The diocese is defined by a territory, the land west of the Missouri River in South Dakota, but more importantly, it includes all people in Western South Dakota. The bishop's flock includes all the people of God, active and non-active Catholics, across the whole diocese. These are the people whom each of us has been called to serve. These are the people toward whom our mission is focused. It can be very easy to live with a parochial mindset, concerned only for Catholics within parish boundaries but doing so diminishes the universal call to discipleship. All members of the body of Christ have been given the missionary mandate of Jesus. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. The risen Christ has sent all of us to share the gospel in every time and place so that faith in him will spread far and wide. St. Pope Paul VI stated in his Apostolic Exhortation, Evangelii Nunciandi, The Church has had the single aim of fulfilling her duty of being the messenger of the good news of Jesus Christ. The Church is an evangelizer, but she begins by being evangelized herself. She is the community of believers, the community of hope, lived and communicated, the community of brotherly love, and she needs to listen unceasingly to what she must believe, to her reasons for hoping, to the new commandment of love. She is the people of God immersed in the world and often tempted by idols And she always needs to hear the proclamation of the mighty works of God which converted her to the Lord. She always needs to be called together afresh by him and reunited. In brief, this means that she has a constant need of being evangelized if she wishes to retain freshness, vigor, and strength in order to proclaim the gospel. End of quote. Pope St. John Paul II outlined three environments for the Church to carry out her mission of evangelization. One, preaching to those who have never heard the Gospel. Two, preaching to those in Christian communities where the Church is present and who have fervor in their faith. And three, preaching to those who are baptized and who have lost a living sense of the faith or even no longer consider themselves members of the church and live a life far removed from Christ and his gospel. People in these categories are all across our diocese and should be an important focus in every parish's ordinary pastoral ministry. Each Christian in every community must discern the path that the Lord points out, but all of us are asked to obey his call to go forth, From our own comfort zone, in order to reach all the peripheries in need of the light of the gospel. Each of us must always be ready to share with others why our faith is central to our lives and how it leads us to hope for eternal life. To conclude with three reflection questions 1. How can I make the gospel of Jesus Christ more central to my life? 2. How does my faith lead me to hope for eternal life? 3. How do I share the light of the gospel with others? As we now move into our panel discussion, I would like to have the panel introduce themselves.
1: I am uh, Rich Olson, uh, married, father of three, grandparent of three, uh, dog lover i uh, also a uh, retired uh, Air, Air Force uh, officer, and uh, halfway through the deacon formation process.
2: And I am Mary Helen Olson, and I am married to the same Rich Olson. We still have the same three children and three grandchildren, and I am the principal at St. Thomas More Middle School, and um, I'm in love with the Lord.
3: Uh, hi, I'm Jeff Hurd, I am married, father of four, I practice law, and I run very slowly.
4: I'm Jordan Miller. Uh, I do campus ministry for the Rapid City Catholic School System.
0: You know, as we've just heard, you know, Jesus sends his followers to go out and preach and live the gospel in every time and place and um, to take it everywhere we find ourselves and obviously this is an obligation of Christ Church you know, for all the baptized and Sometimes we're kind of afraid of the word evangelization, but in the end, this is what we're called to. If we've been baptized in Christ in the Church, we're called to evangelize. And so it is an obligation for all of us to go out and proclaim this message of salvation. I think this is clearly um, um, outlined in the Holy Father's um, apostolic exhortation, Gaudium. Let me quote that. He said, The Word of God constantly shows us God, how God challenges those who believe in Him to go forth. In our day, Jesus' command to go and make disciples echoes in the changing scenarios and never new challenges to the church's mission of evangelization. And all of us are called to take part in this new missionary going forth. The Holy Father says, each Christian and every community must discern the path that the Lord points out. But all of us are asked to obey his call to go forth from our own comfort zone in order to reach all the peripheries in the need in need of the light of the gospel. So the Holy Father, Pope Francis, is very clear in what we're called to as baptized Catholics. Um, and as challenging as that, that might be, I mean, I don't think it's about standing on a street corner and proclaiming the gospel, but how do we, how do we evangelize our kids? You know, how do parents evangelize their kids? If, if parents are the first teachers of their children in the faith, you know, how, how do parents go about doing that? How do we go about ourselves who have been lifelong Catholics? You know, me as a bishop, for example. You know, I've gone through all this seminary education and 20, almost 25 years of priesthood. I'm still called not just to go out and evangelize, but I'm called to allow myself to be evangelized and drawn deeper into the mystery of Christ's love and mercy and Paschal mystery. And so how do we how do we do that you know i, I think it begins for at least for me i, I think it begins with if, if we don't if we're not seeking this relationship with jesus every day then we can be sure that we will not go out and evangelize because in this relationship jesus evangelizes us and change our own hearts so that we can go out and be his living presen- presence and carry on his mission um in in our world and in our culture, but so I think it begins first for me is, is is really that encounter with the Lord in prayer daily, you know. As the Lord is my best friend, as you would hang out with your best friend, do we hang out with the Lord every day, you know, and just really share our hearts and ask the Lord to continue to form our hearts to be like His. Um, but I, I think that's kind of where it begins. Um, if that's not happening, um, then then we won't we will not I don't believe answer the call as a baptized disciple, to go out and carry on this mission.
3: It's like uh, you see on airplanes, right? When they're giving you the warnings at the beginning or the instructions, if you're traveling with someone else uh, and you need to put on the air air mask, you put on your own mask first because you can't be helpful to someone else until you can be helpful to yourself. And going back to the question of how do you do that with children, I think one of the first things... you're absolutely right. You begin by nurturing your own relationship with Christ. But I think it's really important that your children see you doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you, in a way, I think it's best if they can catch you doing that, mm-hmm. which is even better than than seeing. If you do it to be seen, right, the same admonition, um, too often we hear people quote back the words of Christ where Christ says when you pray go into your closet lock your door and pray and seek where, where your father can see you praying well that isn't to say go hide technically it's to say don't do it to be seen do it because you are forming this relationship with Christ I think there is a caveat to that for those of us who are parents I have four children and that is I think I, I, part of my responsibility is to be seen by my children so that they understand this is important to me and if nothing else begin to wonder why. Um, Putting on my own mask first is important to try and help my children and evangelize to my children, which is the first step in evangelizing to the wider world and which is the next step in creating another generation of disciples to go out and evangelize the wider world.
1: I think just to, to add on to that, I think one of the things that I had always thought about uh, uh, growing up and how I would be a, a parent is that my my wife and I would be consistent, consistent in our faith, consistent in how we how we present that faith to our to the rest of our family. And so that was one of the, the real driving uh, forces. As I, uh, I, I'm i a convert, I became a Catholic uh, nearly 40 years ago, uh, partly uh, because of the advent- the example of of my wife.
2: You know, I think part of the, also the call as you describe it, was really just the challenge as a married couple, even before we had children, to witness to one another mm-hmm. um, of the power of Christ in our lives. And in that example, then we desired to be the parents that did model. You know, and, and I think the challenge, of course, is doing that We really don't feel like doing it. When you really feel like, maybe, could we sleep in this one Sunday? <laughs> could we maybe... You know, so that, you know, going out of that comfort zone to set the example for our families um, and, and, and just being, you know, and, and in doing that, we became, we grew closer to Christ even when it was that struggle.
0: You know, sometimes I think it's easy for, um, I mean, I don't have children, obviously, but, um, I mean, I see this all the time. I, you know, I see where the, the you know, the role of sports is kind of infiltrating, you know, the, you know, the, the, the faith life or the practice of the faith life of, of our people. And it's difficult when parents and their children who are in these programs, well, it could be sports, it could be many other different things, now, now they have to make a choice. Are they going to take their kids to, to, to Mass on Sunday? Are they going to bring their kids to religious ed? Or are they going to do the other thing? And it is a tough choice, but that's where our culture is. I think the, the culture puts pressure on our, our, our people today to, to have to make the choice. And that's unfortunate. But, but if we're going to evangelize, it's about making that choice. The making that, the, that choice for the Lord, because that leads us to salvation. You know, The sports leads to a one-loss record, you know, one, you know, win-or-lose record. You know? and, and it doesn't go beyond that. So, so I think if if we're going to, you know, parents modeling for their children, it's about how committed are they, in the sense of, looking, at the salvation of their kids. I don't know.
4: Yeah, and even I, as a single person, I guess I have been able to, be in homes of families, and to witness even they even witness to me when I go in their homes and I see, fathers blessing their kids before they go to bed, or parents praying with their kids and. Um, talking about what they're grateful for for that day and offering intentions like before they send their kids to bed and um, and that's even just a good witness to me about what the family life is like and how they're evangelizing not only their kids but also to me and like what a good example those um, families are being um, in evangelizing their kids
2: and I know one of the challenges also that families face today is that even as they've really tried to do that in the home as their children leave the home. Um, you know, the, really the temptation of the world to, to interfere or to, to block the memory of the children of what that was like in their home. Colleges now, mm-hmm. um, these kids have so much um, that pulls them away from the faith. And so when you see, you know, kids that are connected to their faith really at college, really beyond as young adults, what a powerful witness that is when they, you know, they have had to really make a choice in a much harder way than we did when we were, I think, growing up. I mean, the culture supported Mm -hmm. us still being faithful um, in a way that is not supported now. So, I mean, I think there's a huge challenge for our young people, our young adults, and, you know, what a gift it is when they witness to us of their faith.
0: You know, one of the things I I marvel and I find it inspiring um, for me, but also when I see it, for me myself, when I see it is to enter into... A spiritual conversation with someone, or for example, if I go out to dinner, over to dinner, to somebody's home, I get invited out to dinner. It's, it's a prisoner's home, for example, and finding ourselves in a spiritual conversation over the dinner meal, over you know, over the meal itself, and people sharing their faith. I mean, that's evangelization, and sometimes I wonder if um, you know. I know a lot of. Uh, Families don't eat together okay. you know, around a table on a regular basis. That's the reality of our culture today, unfortunately. But when the opportunity arises, you know, I think this, I mean, at least a great encouragement that I would have for families is, is to begin to open up a conversation with their kids about, about their faith, you know, um, and what it means to them. And how? Why is it important to them? And what kind of an impact on their life does it have? Because I think if if young people, if, if kids begin to hear, and maybe this goes on, and maybe it does. I don't really know, but I don't hear a whole lot about it. But um, but if, maybe if parents begin to take the opportunity, you know, to to share this kind of this part of their lives. Um, it will I think it's you know that's even that's evangelizing and that would have a profound impact on the life of their kids instead of just taking them to church on Sunday and there's no conversation follow-up from that you know from week to week from mass to mass it's this is something we do instead of this is really informs the way we live our life or the way we're called to live our life
3: well and kind of segueing off of Mary Helen's comment I think engaging our children in how the world and their day and what they're encountering is is causing struggles in their faith. What are the, the difficulties so that we as parents or we as educators can help can help them get through that? Because as you say, I think when we were younger, certainly the culture was um, inconsistent with our faith quite often. Well, now it's openly hostile to. Mm-hmm. Right. It isn't right. simply that, mm-hmm. that there are things that will distract you from your faith. Much of the world is telling you that your faith is is hateful and ignorant and and um, and I think if we don't help give our children tools in that regard, um, I think it can really undermine them and One of the other things i think I think of Jordan a lot regarding this just the joy of mm-hmm. a faith mm-hmm. you know her faith is so joyful, and so to share that with her students every day. Um, it isn't a dower, and this is something I must do, and this is something I have to slog through for the next hour. Mm-hmm. To see the joy that comes out of a faith can be such a great witness in a world that so often will just suck people of their joy.
1: I think uh, you know, we had two boys, two, uh, both married, and I, I still feel a great responsibility to, one, to set an example for them as a father and as a husband, and then also to... to continue that conversation Uh, we try to get together at least once a year since we don't live close to be together we call it a man trip Uh, but just to have that conversation about what it means to be uh, a Christian a Catholic father and husband and of course uh, how you carry that over into your your work life and in all those aspects of your life uh, how you influence your your children and, and those around you uh, to create that kind of an environment that isn't hostile to your to your own beliefs.
2: I think one of the surprising things too is when the boys would even relate back to us, and they would go, "You know, we kind of brought that up, and I was at work, and I kind of caught myself, and but the person received it really well. I think we we're duped into thinking that people won't receive that joy of the gospel in the workplace, and they said, yeah, people were like, yeah, we really appreciate you saying that or really appreciate you offering to pray for us or whatever it was, their action. And so I think that there's this big veil over us that really there's a lot of people hungering for that, you know, and, you know reaching out and touching, even if we feel a little nervous about doing it in a secular world, mm-hmm. you know, that there, there is a hunger for it.
0: There's a, there's a hunger for it, and people don't know they have a hunger for it. Mm-hmm. You know, it gets disguised or it gets covered over, um, but with with other things, and they don't realize it, I don't believe. You know, the Lord has put this put this desire for for Him in the hearts of all of us, and sometimes, you know, many don't really they don't they see the desire, they don't experience the desire because it gets gets masked over with by you know the you know the ways of the world and and worldly things and. And it, it can lead, you know, when life gets bad and there are things are not going well, they become hopeless, you know. I am... <laughs> I often go through the... Che- you know, at Safeway, you know, you can do the, um, the self-checkout, which I do if I'm in a really <laughs> big hurry. <laughs> um, but if you go through the checkout line, sometimes you never... You look on the faces of the checkers, and I just feel sad for them because they just look really sad and... It's almost like they're disconnected from the world. And they're certainly, it looks like even more so, they're disconnected from, you know, the joy of the Lord, you know, the joy of the gospel. Um, at the end of this chapter, chapter 2, um, I, I quote, uh, it's kind of a, a quote, a paraphrase quote from the first letter of Peter, when I, when, I, when I write, Each of us must always be ready to share with others why our faith is central to our lives and how it leads us to hope for eternal life you know, as we engage this encounter with Jesus every day, you know, he's the one that fills our lives with this hope. And then we pass that on, you know. Um, so, you know, I found myself in the checkout lines at the time, and I see the checker who was just really, they look really sad. And I will say sometimes, I'll, I'll say, uh, they always have a name tag, right? And so I'll, I'll call him by name, you know, Lori. Smile, Jesus loves you. <laughs> and they, they don't know how to respond to that. But, and it's probably, no one's probably ever said that to, to them before. But that's just a simple way to evangelize. Mm-hmm. You know, to tell them that, you know, there's someone out there, Jesus is out, is here, present right now, who loves you more than you can possibly ever imagine. And he wants to fill your life with hope. He wants to fill your life with love and new life and joy and... Um, um, so that's, it's just giving witness to that, you know, in, in just little ways, you know, in just little ways.
4: I think our culture is getting very good at and continually getting good at co- be living our lives in those compartments where um, as we mm-hmm. evangelize or as we live our Christian lives, that uh, we are very good at um, being teachers at school or we're very good mm-hmm. at being doctors in the hospital um, and we're very good at being, you know, friends in this area and... Soccer moms with our kids um, and Catholics at Mass. Um, And then it's more and more difficult to make that all integrated. And that, uh, like on Sunday mornings, we pull up, we're in the Catholic box. um, And we don't share those Christian witnesses as we're the soccer mom or as we're the doctor in the hospital. Um, And I think we're getting very complacent with just compartmentalizing our lives um, and not being integrated and not. living that call
1: to Christian witness. Something I've, I've been thinking about just recently is, you hear it before, but I've just been hearing it two or three times is about you're not, what you do is not who you are. And I've really been reflecting a lot on that too, just kind of, if somebody says, who are you? Or what do you do? Well, what what does that really mean? So I think that's another way we can, we can try to break out of that compartmentalization, because I agree with you completely, we do. I, I have my life at work, I have my life at home, uh, I try to live as a Christian all the time, but I know what you mean when you say, yeah, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to go to Mass, or I'm going to go to a, uh, something at church, but it's not all integrated. So I really, what kind of brings that together for me, and I haven't gotten the answer yet, really, is who am I really? It's not just about what I do at work or those kind of things. It's who am I every day, every moment, um, that God gives me uh, the, the blessing to be
0: here.
3: And that integration is what builds meaning, mm-hmm. right? identifying yourself as a beloved son or daughter of god
0: first is believing that believing that, <laughs> right. and that's, i think that's the biggest challenge people don't believe they're deeply loved by god or they're a beloved child of the father yeah
3: or, yeah or like you said the checkout uh clip. Mm-hmm. nobody's ever told her that before And if you just tell her that, you might as well have said, you know, Steve Jones in Boston really loves you. It seems like it's such a far-off, unrelated person um, that, that now we're circling all the way back to the beginning is, if we believe that becoming a Christian disciple begins with daily working on that relationship and praying for that relationship and and building on that relationship, then really all discipleship is about is, is introduction, right? I mean, introduce you to this person, um, who, if you give this person a shot, he will be your best friend, and then soon will be your savior, and your God, and your all, and add this integrated meaning to the rest of your life that will make every aspect of your life better. And that's the, people are so hungry today. Pop psychology, I mean, if you walk through a bookstore, there are, there are such things that still exist, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you walk through a bookstore, you look at this self-help section, and you just think to yourself, I could pull down almost any random book there, open something up, and I would get the point you're making, you're just, you're just doing it wrong, you know, the... Um, uh, the Tony Robbins kind of idea that um, your problem is how you internalize and interpret the events in your life. And if you would change how you interpret them, you would see them as a benefit. Well, well that, that's just our basic Christian principle, that all things um, work to the good for those who know and love Christ, right? Everything in your life, Christ puts it there for your benefit. You just need to figure out what you're supposed to get out of this and grow from it. And you pull down the next book, and it will be about, you know, how to communicate in relationships. Again, it will be a Christian principle, that if you understood that the real author of all of these human needs, all of your needs, all of your desires run in one direction, and if you could integrate that all into your life, Mm -hmm. you would stop with the compartmentalization because you would realize they are all integrated into your identity as a beloved son or daughter of
0: Christ. It's just, it's living joy, you know, I think. If a person's filled with the Holy Spirit, isn't joy one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. And so if the Holy Spirit is alive in us, that comes from this relationship with Jesus, then we're going to be filled with that joy, and in spite of, you know, we all have good days and bad days, we all have challenges in, in our lives, but we'll face them, both the good and the challenge, joyfully, knowing that, that Jesus really is the one, he's right next to us, you know, assisting us, guiding us, supporting us, teaching us, leading us through whatever the moment might be, whatever the joy the joyful moment might be, so that joy can be deepened, or through the challenge, so that we can be supported by him and his love um, as we move and, and his guidance as we move through the challenge so it comes back to you know what is our relationship with jesus like you know what is it and where do we hope to go well, we will never have arrived to the fullness of this relationship on this side of eternity because we're bound by human experience you know human limitations um, but if we can go out and evangelize in a joyful way really just if we're filled with joy, we just have to be ourselves, you know. And people will say, what's what's wrong with you, Jordan? You're so joyful. <laughs> <laughs> like, Don't you ever have a bad day? Like, how do you do it? I want what you have. That's what they will say. Mm-hmm. They, That's what, because it's, you know, a lived gospel to the fullest is contagious, I think. It's contagious. And... Um, but we have to be the one to kind of go out and spread that contagion, if you will, mm-hmm. wherever we find ourselves. Mm-hmm. And some days we don't feel like it, as, as you said, um, Mary Holland, but you know, that's when we pray for the Holy Spirit. Lord, give me this, Holy Spirit, give me the strength right now and the courage to, you know, to be to this person as you want me to be.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so that you can minister to them through me. And, um, and so they can experience your joy. Jesus' joy through us. I mean, it's, it's simple. It's, you know, evangelization, really, in my mind, is not that difficult. Yeah. It's just sharing our own love, our own personal love, and the experience of Christ's love for us with others. And that in itself, I think, it leads people to see something they perhaps have never seen before.
2: I also think that's the beauty of the body of Christ, is that we do have each other to also help one another do that. That, you know, we are not trying to do this all on our own. We are in relationship with Christ, but we're also in relationship with each other and the strength of that body of working together. You know, especially when you, you know, maybe do find those hardships, days of hardships, you know, having people that you know are praying with you and having people that you know are, are, are surrounding you with their love. I think that that's the, the greatest gift of Christianity and the greatest lie of Satan, which it isolates us and you know as as Christians knowing we're we've got each other we've got each other's back and we are each other and so i think that's you know one thing that we we often forget this is not a, we're not on our own we are we're all together
4: i think it's important to ask ourselves a question too, is what is it about my relationship with jesus christ that's attractive and even every catholic like how how am i ministering to my students at saint thomas more yeah what is attractive about my relationship that also w- will then in turn draw them to the same relationship? Um, and even even people that don't work in the church, even uh, parents, what is it about our parents' relationship or our teachers' relationship or any secular job, what is it about our relationship as Catholics with Jesus Christ that makes it attractive or that will draw people closer to the church?
0: Your time is kind of coming to an end here. Um, but I, I want to do two things with the time we have remaining. The First of all, um, just talk about perhaps one, one way that any of us, the average Catholic, for example, anyone, any of us who go to Mass on Sunday, how can we go out and evangelize in a very practical way? And I would offer one suggestion. We all know people who um, don't come to Mass that are Catholic, right? We all do. You know, the church is, you know, the second largest church in the world are non-practicing Catholics. <laughs> and so wouldn't it, you know, just one sense of evangelization would be, what if a, a Catholic family who comes to Mass were just to call somebody who they know that doesn't and invite them to come and tell them that the church misses you? The church really does miss you. You're an important part of the body of Christ, whether you realize it or not. Now, imagine if we if we did that every week, called somebody. I think the churches eventually would become packed again. You know, I think more people would start coming back. And it's just a little simple way to evangelize. You're not forcing anything on anyone. You're extending an invitation, as Jesus extends invitations to us into his life it's just us in, is extending an invitation to others to come back into his life into the body of christ um into his fold and leave it leave the invitation as it is it's just an invitation and then but I, I think if people want to i think if people can accept invitations so that's why I would kind of leave you know um sort of leave us here today, but also one other thing as we go around um Maybe just one final comment from each one of you, and then I'll close it up at the end.
3: I guess if I, it's so hard, how do you leave with one final comment? I guess my final comment would be this. Um, The joy of living the Christian witness is in the relationship with Christ. If nothing else, if we can share some of that joy for love of others, I think a lot of times Christians get a rap of being judgmental. We're trying to correct more than we are trying to invite and love. Um, there There is no greater gift we can give someone than a relationship with Christ, and no greater sorrow than losing an opportunity to help someone come to Christ. If we just kept that in mind every day when we're stuck behind somebody who's driving too slow or when we find these little ideas that, that um, give us uh, probably an unhealthy laugh, um, if, if we could just think of everything through the filter of in the end, I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, in the end, either the devil or Christ will say mine of all that is. And every day, everyone around us, you don't know a normal person. Everyone you encounter is an eternal soul who will one day live for eternity in heaven or in hell. And every day, we are helping one another in one of those two directions. And we just need to wake up every day and try to lead as many people as we can in the right direction. That's my parting thought.
4: I would say there's that song, you know, sometimes I'll be singing mass that they will know we are Christians by our love. And I was just kind of thinking about what you were saying, Jeff, about we do have the opportunity. That's our, our choice every day, whether we evangelize intentionally or whether we're just, um, you know, living our life every day. But they will know and be drawn to the gospel by the way we are loving them, whether that be through fraternal correction um, or whether that be through invitation um, and I think charity goes a long way, and I think that kind of gets lost today is, um, is how important charity can be and how we love each other in our normal relationships.
1: Well, I, I think there's a lot in what both of you said, and i and I'm kind of stealing some of my thunder, I think. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think one thing I, I do is I always want to start my day by inviting the Holy Spirit to be with me all through that day and to help me into those those things, those relationships or those kind of quasi relationships when you're out on the road and maybe you let somebody cut in front of you so they can get in the, in the proper lane rather than racing ahead or uh, or just the, the the kindness at the the checkout stand or uh, I think and also just letting people around you know, hey, I am a Christian. I don't wanna I may not be able to really evangelize you in the sense that you might see on T V or hear on the radio or something, but that I am your friend and I want to show you what a Christian life is like.
2: And for me, it's really about sharing the joy in the way I conduct myself, the way I treat others, and really just wanting to make sure that the people around me know that the Lord is alive and present in our world.
0: Sometimes people want to be who they're not, or they think as an evangelizer you have to be somebody like, you know, as a bishop like Fulton Sheen or somebody like that. But the Lord hasn't created me to be Fulton Sheen. You know, He hasn't created me to be Saint Vincent de Paul. He hasn't created me to be John Paul II. He's created me to be Bishop Gruce. And he's giving me the gifts and talents to be who I am, to he's who he's created me to be. And and that's the same for all of us. And we're all called to, to evangelize through that lens of who he is created to be. You know, I love the quote of Saint Catherine Siena. Um, She said, if you are who you are called to be, you will set the world on fire. So you know, I just wonder how many of us are living who we're called to be, and we're really truly setting the world on fire. We should pray daily for the fire of the Holy Spirit to come alive more fully in our hearts so that we will never be afraid to share the love and the joy and the mercy of of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, It's not hard. The Lord gives us all that we need to do it. We just have to say, Lord, make me your evangelizer today so that I might touch the people whom you place in my path with your message of love and joy and peace.